little quiz for you today as we start. The subject we're going to talk about today covers almost half the parables of Jesus. Anybody got any ideas? Okay, let me carry on. There's about 500 words or verses in the Bible on faith, 500 on prayer, but over 2,000 verses on this subject. Healing, good guess, but no. Sin, that's a downer, but no. Love, no. Faith, no. Money, trust the treasurer to get that right. Money is the right answer. Well, wealth, really. James is talking today about wealth. Now, James, the book of James that we've been going through together, as we remember, James was Jesus' half-brother, his younger, uh, younger sibling, younger brother. And um, James became the head of the church in Jerusalem, so like the top church, if you like, of the time. And by then, the uh, people of Israel are scattered, and Christians are scattered everywhere. And James sort of looked at what he saw as the landscape of the church, and then he wrote this letter to all the people everywhere. So it's most of the New Testament that we have is writing to specific churches. So if Paul, one of Paul's letters, it would be to the church at Trinity in Harrow. And these are the kind of issues that I see, and this is what I'm kind of addressing, Right. And so he's very specific about the things that he knows that's going on or the things that are told to him about what's happening in the church. James is looking at the whole of the, the Christian landscape and saying, like, these are the things that we need to address. These are the things that are going on that, that are not quite in tune, not quite right. And so he writes this letter. Now, you have to understand in the New Testament that when they're writing the New Testament, they don't have the New Testament Right? They don't have the Gospels. They don't have the writings of Jesus. So, so some of the things that they write about are because you've got this brand new faith that comes out of the Jewish faith, and they're kind of going, now that we know who Jesus is, but what does that really mean about this issue or this issue or this issue? Like, well, when we get those kind of problems, what do we do? We first look in the, in the Word, right? And we have the whole of the Word, and we can kind of discern what God's Word is or what God's mat opinion is by looking at the Word. Well, they didn't have the New Testament, so they're kind of like going, I, I don't know what we should do about this and this and this and this and this. And so they were in a very different situation than we are, and it was very difficult for them. And so a lot of the New Testament is why we have the New Testament, is why it's so wonderful, really, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, is that we have the Word that then answers all these different issues that they're facing because they're kind of going, I'm not sure what to do about this and this and this. And James sees it all and he says, you know what, these are the things that I see that are not quite right. So let's read today. Last time we, we looked... And we were saying that in James, in the book of James, he was saying that what he sees, one of the big things that he sees is kind of a disconnect between what the people are saying they believe and how they live. And, and we've got flesh and spirit. So, so they're saying, they're singing all the right songs, you know, in Christ alone, right? You know, when the ocean's right, all right, they're, they're singing it. I will be still, but then he looks at them and they go, but they're not still. They're singing the words, but they're not doing it. They're, they're actually like just going ballistic all the time. What's going on? 
They shouldn't be. Why? Why? They say they believe in Jesus Christ, but when it actually comes to what 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 James sees about what the churches are doing, he says you're still you're still working as though Christ is not part of the picture. The Spirit is not part of the picture here. This is not quite right. And, and last week we uh, we looked at that, and James calls it being double-minded. He says you've kind of got one mind that's here in the flesh, and the other mind that is here in the spirit, and that shouldn't be. And last week we looked at uh, pride, he said, in pride in their speech. What they say is kind of like coming out of who they are in their heart, and they're, they're trying to say that they're this, but actually what, what James hears is that they're over here in the flesh. And in their plans, they're saying, like, I, I want to follow Jesus Christ, I want to follow his plans, but then they make their own decisions about everything they want to do. You know, how many, how many church meetings have I ever been to or church gatherings where, where they just kind of use human wisdom to figure out what to do? I was in a meeting once and they were, they were trying to figure out the wisdom of, of, of like, we need a vision, they said. We need a vision for God's church. So they said, well, let, let's, let's sit down and figure out what, what each of the departments, what each of the thing, people here think that the vision should be. And I said to them, that's not a way you figure out God's vision. The way you figure out God's vision is on your knees. You ask him what the vision is, and then you figure out how to put it into practice. And he just said, don't be silly. And I'm thinking, like, you're saying you want this, but actually what I hear you doing is this. Just doing it out of your own strength. Let's, let's use something we can all agree on. There's something that, you know, the lowest common denominator, and that's what we're doing. I'm like, that's, that's not the vision. The vision you do is what God is telling you to do. You ask Him, and then you follow it. And that's what we did last week. This week, He's talking about how we use our wealth. Not just money, but everything that we own. How do we do it? James here, he doesn't pull any punches. This is what he says. He says, now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail. Encouraging, isn't it? Because of the misery that's coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Wow, that's encouraging, isn't it? This is one of the reasons I don't like preaching on books of the Bible. Because you can't really skip over the bits you don't, you know. Normally, I would skip this bit and say, well, that's a bit depressing. Let's move on and talk about love but you can't. So let's, let's kind of delve into it and, and see what it's really saying. He's saying here that the pride that leads to the flesh way is so often wealth. Now, James here is not writing about believers. He's writing and looking at people outside of the church, but he's doing it and kind of going to the extreme about what he sees on other people so that it speaks to us inside the church. 
You can tell that because then he goes in verse 7, the very next, be patient then, my brothers. Okay? So he goes back into talking into the church, which we'll tackle next time. But in this bit, he's kind of looking outside and he's saying, let's see what we see in the news. Let's see what we see on people around us. But as we do that, we recognize ourselves in some of this as well. And secondly, he's not saying that wealth is necessarily a problem. When you think through the pages of Scripture, there were lots and lots of people in the Bible who were really, really wealthy. Can you think of any? Who? Abraham. He had a number of sheep and goats and goodness knows what else. Who else? Job. Job was wealthy, then he was poor, and then he was super wealthy. Solomon was seriously, seriously, seriously wealthy. Got him into a load of trouble, but that's what he was. Anybody else? Lydia, the purple cloth, that was, she was wealthy. And often the wealth of, of women in the New Testament looked after the ministry of Jesus, right? And there's loads of people. David was really, we like, seriously wealthy. There were loads of people in the Bible that are wealthy. So wealth is not a problem in and of itself. But the problem comes when we start to love it. The love of wealth it stops us moving in this direction and it turns us around in this direction. 1 Timothy 6.10 says this, For the love of money, of wealth, is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. It's when it becomes our goal, when it takes over, and, and it's so easy for it to become something that we desire, something that we want, because money and wealth gives us power, it gives us choice, it gives us control, it gives us all the things we were talking about last week. And so we love to have that, but when we do that, we find that we are trusting less in Christ and more in ourselves, more in what we can control. And so he says the love of money is, is the thing that we have to be careful of. And the third thing is, is that it's not talking either about tithing. It's not talking about where we give our money, but it talks in this passage about how we treat the wealth that we have. So it's not about where it goes. It's not about, you know, after this we're going to have our tithes and our offerings and you better give your 55% to the church. You know, it's none of that. Right? He's not saying that. The Bible never says that anyway. But you know what I mean? It's saying about how we use what we have. So in a sense, it doesn't matter how wealthy or poor you think you are. Because all of us in this country, we have a degree of wealth. We have things, don't we? If you moved house today, how many boxes would you need to move house? Right? When, when myself and Enika, we moved, we emigrated to Canada... Years ago, when we were like, uh, what was it, 20, 22, no, 24. I was 24. Inika's well older than me. Right, but when, when I was 24, we moved, we immigrated. And then you, you, have, to, you have to get a, 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 a container. And you just think, my days, like, how am I ever going to fill this? And they're, they're massive. You see those, you know those massive shipping containers? And you kind of feel, you pay for the size that you fill on a shipping container. And I'm going, well, you haven't got that much stuff. And then you start filling it up and you think, maybe I need two containers. You know? 
And then, then, then we start saying, well, what, are we going to leave stuff behind? We can't, you're not going to get another container. It's ridiculous. Because we accumulate so much stuff, don't we? Well, let's see what James says. And the, the key to this really is verse 1, and then he kind of explains it in the rest. So verse 1, he says this, that, that wealth can lead, he says, to great heartache. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that's coming on you. It, it, can, it can lead to so many things. Weeping and wailing, it's, it's in the Greek, it's like, like being at a funeral, he says. You know, when, when, when you're really just broken inside and you're just crying and uncontrollably and, and wailing when you're shrieking and you, you're just in such despair because of, you don't know how to get out of this situation that you find yourself in. And he says, wealth can do that to us. Why? Why does it do it? To us and then he explains firstly he says it does it because it leads to spiritual short-sightedness in verse 2 and 3 and he does it in three ways doesn't he first of all he says it's kind of like it's like where you have buy too much food has this ever happened to you where, where you buy too much food and it gets stuck at the back of your fridge you ever happened to you you know, and, and it stays there, and then it starts to grow legs or something happens to it. I don't know what goes on in there, right? And I don't know. And then it starts pulsating, and it has a heartbeat, and then it starts running around in there or something happens. I don't know. Like, you know, because you leave it too long. You ever had one of those potatoes that fell down in an awkward place behind a cabinet, and then it just, you just see the arms that are coming out of this thing? You know, he's saying like, it's like that food that kind of goes off and it's mushy and it's rotten. One of my least favorite jobs of the year, we have an apple tree in the garden. And we never pick all the apples because there's too many of them. And you know that one of my least favorite jobs is when you have to pick up the apple that's been squashed and flattened on the grass. Isn't that? It's just, it's just dire, isn't it? Because you put... You, you, you put your hand in it and it, you don't just, it's not solid any longer, is it? And you, your finger goes right in the middle of this. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. And he says, like, wealth can do that to us if we, if we just kind of keep it and we, we say, I need more and I need more and I need more. And it becomes like rotten food, he says. Or, or it's like clothes. Clothes that you just keep and you keep and you keep and you keep and you know what happens to them? Anybody got like a favorite jumper or something? You know, you know that, that, that that's going to be the one the moth goes to. And there'll be holes in that next time, you, you know. And, and you know that, that we have way too many clothes, don't we? That's why we take so long to get ready in the morning. Because we get up every morning and we're kind of like, now what am I going to wear today? Right? And you're like, well, I don't know. And then you put something on, and then you go, no, nah, I don't look good in that. I'm, I'm not talking to men here. Men just like, right? I'm talking mainly to women, right? And then you look, and uh, what do you want? And then you, go, then you go to your guy, and you go, what do you think? As if they're going to give you an answer. Oh, you look lovely. That's, you know, the best we've ever come up with. Well, that's no use, right? And... Why? Because like we have so much stuff, and he says like you, you hoard all these things, and and eventually they they disintegrate. He says, because you just you just get more and more and more and more, 
You know, like, it's just what we have to do. Or, or he says gold and silver, it tarnishes if you don't use it. If it just sits there, it just gradually goes, goes off after a while. And it tarnishes. And the problem, he says, is that, that what we're really doing is we're hoarding everything. We, we just never have enough, do we? And he says the problem is that in our spirit, we just want more and more. When is enough is enough? When, when do I get enough? You know, Charles Wesley, the, the, the father of Methodism, when he was a student in college and he was broke, he set a bar. He said, this is how much I need to live on. And he didn't have that much at the time, but when he got to that amount, everything above that, he gave it away because he just went, this is what I need for my basic necessity for life. That's it. So if I get more than that, I don't need it. I'll give it away. And that's what he did. The more popular he became, the more money that was flowing into, into him because of his preaching and everywhere else and his writings and all these kind of things. He just gave it all away because he said, this is, but how many of us in honesty have done that? The only per I know one person in history, and that's Charles Wesley, right? John Wesley, who did that. Because we don't, we kind of get, I mean, they go, oh, no, no, I need a bit more. And then I need a bit more because I, I, I want this and I want that and I want the other. And it's, the Bible says it's hoarding, he says. He said, we just hoard things. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. And he says, when you do that, it shows really where your heart is, and that's over here. That's where we belong. He says, don't do that. And then he goes on, and he says, the other problem is that it leads to many sins. He said, first of all, there's the sin of fraud. He says, in those days, what you used to do was, if you were working in the fields, if you owned a field and you wanted people to come in and work the fields and get the harvest in and so on, you were promised to pay them a day's wages. And, and the scenario that James uses here is that you, you get them to come and to work for a day, and then at the end of the day, you go, thanks very much, and you don't pay them. And you just go, go now. I was talking to, uh, um, a few years ago now, but I was talking to a guy that was an illegal immigrant in this country, came over from Ireland, and uh, he said, one of the biggest problems is, he said, I work in construction and other things. But then as soon as they find out that I'm not legal here, they promise to pay me cash, but then they tell me, go. So he says, I work day after day after day, and then when the money, they just say no. And he said, I have nothing I can do about it because I shouldn't be in this country in the first place. And that so many people, they said they just ripped me off. And if, if they actually paid me, I could probably, you know, get myself sorted, but they don't. They don't play me the promised amount, and they just say, and what can I do, he says. can hardly take them to court or anything, can I? And so he says, like, about 50% of the time when people, you know, ask me to do some jobs, and I go down and I do a job for a day, I never get paid. Because they know I shouldn't be here, and there's nothing I can do. James is saying the same thing. Because we want more, we then start to kind of take it from people where we can take it from them because we have the power and they don't. He says then also that we use it for, for self-indulgence. He says you have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. He says we just, we just spend it on ourselves. 
And in 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5, it talks about that being one of the characteristics of the end times. That we just love to get more and more stuff and to live more and more exuberantly in our lives. And that we just want more and more and more and more. And so we take it. And we spend it. And we do it. In our day, some people go into more and more debt just to be able to maintain that kind of lifestyle. And thirdly, he says, we, we end up with, with murder even. The fattened calf. We envy the fattened calf, he says. Now, the fattened calf in those days, they used to have a particular calf. If, if, one calf, if they wanted a, to slaughter an animal, they would put it in good grass. They would give it good food. They would fatten it up really well. And all the other cows would be looking over at that one and go, how come that one's getting all the special treatment? How come that one's getting better food? Look at that grass. That grass is greener than the scrubby grass that we have to eat. And they don't think in their heads that this one is doing this because they're going to be killed off and you're going to live. They're just envying this one over there because that one's getting more preferential treatment. And we don't. Don't we do the same? Then we look at other people and we see the glimpse of them that we think we can see and we go, oh, if only, if only I had that. I, was, I, was, uh, I read an article about uh, Jose Mourinho, you know, the, the, uh, the manager? Apparently he, he's been paid 60 million pounds for being sacked from four clubs. I mean, I could be sacked from four clubs for doing a bad job. I mean, I could do a worse job than him. I could get sacked sooner. He's made 60 million out of contracts that they had to pay him off because he did a poor job. I mean, what other industry can you go into where you get paid that kind of money for getting fired? That's just beyond me. But you look at that and you think, man, what could I do with 60 million? I mean, I'd give 10% to the Lord, but you know what? That still leaves. How much? 54 million. Thank you, treasurer. Right? That's why he's our treasurer. Right? That still leaves 54 million. I, I could, you know, that wouldn't be bad. I could just about live off of that, don't you think? You know, that'd keep me in pizzas for a while, wouldn't it? 54 million just for being sad. And we look at others and we kind of go, you know what? Let's die on that. And he says, you know, sometimes you even go to murdering. Murdering people because they're in your way and they stand and we step on them and we get over them and we, we, we don't mind killing them off because actually the money, the wealth, accumulation of it becomes our goal. And we're not so worried about how we get there. Somebody puts it like this. And this is the number what James is saying. He's really saying that, you know what? The flesh loves wealth. And to get it, it tends to use people. But really what he's trying to say is that God teaches us that we need to love people and use wealth that God gives to us. Do you see the difference? The flesh over here tends to love wealth but to get it, James says, it often uses, it tramples on people. And we've seen that so much in our life. And we, we see it in the news. You see it in society. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. 
they, they just say, you know what, I, I don't really care about that. I might give them a little bit of handout, but it comes with, cons you know, strings attached just to make myself feel better. But actually, I will use people to get what I want to get. Whereas God's way, he says, no, I'm going to give you wealth. But whatever I give you, you need to make sure you use it to love people, to raise people up, to help people, to elevate them. That's the difference. So he says, don't envy wealth. Don't envy other people. We had this last time. Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Keep looking to God, he says. But he's really saying this, I think. The heart of wealth so often ends up like this, a stagnant pool. Because wealth and you become the end point of what you're trying to do. Would you like to drink out of that? If you were thirsty, would you go in there and just stick your head in there and go, <laughs> not me. My insides would turn green as the water. But what about that? If you were thirsty, would you put your hand in there? I would. I'd go, oh, yes, clean water. I wouldn't mind some of that. Why? What's the difference? The difference is the way it works. Let me explain it to you like this. Right, I need some help. I need three people. Come on. You three. Come on. Up you come. You've seen, we've done this before, right? Okay, you are God the Father. Okay? Which one of you wants to be Jesus? Jesus, you're the Holy Spirit. Okay, get together in the Trinity. How does the Trinity operate? Father, Son, and Spirit. You have to be linked together. Is that the Trinity? No, what's wrong? Is that the Trinity? Okay. You're the Holy Spirit. Come on, Holy Spirit. We have a rather forgetful Trinity. Okay, the Trinity is all linked together. So get in a triangle, okay, and the Spirit links to the Father. Now we have the Trinity. That's the Godhead, right? Father, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Come on, do you back. You are the Christian, right? You are linked. So you are linked to the Son and the Spirit. You're linked through the Son. No, you don't become part of the Godhead. You're not that perfect just yet. So you connect right here, okay? So with one hand, you connect there. Because we connect through the, the blood of Jesus Christ, through what Jesus has done on the cross, but we connect via the, the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through us, right? Amen? And through that, we connect through to the Father. Now, James is saying, if we want to be like a river, this is what we do. Now we connect. Katrina, come on. If you want to connect to someone else as a believer in Jesus Christ, 
Okay, I think we need this turned around this way a little bit. Can you come over this way? I shouldn't order the, the Trinity to move, but I am going to. Okay, that's good. Everybody can see you now. Right? So we connect. So what we have to do in all these things that James is saying is we have to connect to the Father. If we want to go the way of the Spirit, this is what it's all about. We connect to God, right? And, and James is saying we do this with our speech, we do this with our plans, and today he's saying we do it with our wealth. He's saying we need our wealth, which comes from the storehouses of heaven, can flow through us, through Deepak, into Katrina. That's what it's all about. That's the river that we see. That's what it is to be part of connected with the Spirit. That's why God is not against us being wealthy, but where is the source of all the wealth? Here. God says, I'm going to flow my wealth in all its variety through you so that you can be a blessing to everybody else. Okay? Yeah, you, you will have everything that you need. I will look after my son but I'm going to give him an abundance of the things that he needs so he can then pass on everything else, okay, to my daughter as well or to the people around, the community, everywhere else, okay? Now, Deepak and Katrina, come with me. Let go. Now, if you are not connected to the Trinity, what happens? Right? You're over here. The only wealth that Deepak can give to Katrina is What? His own. Right? Anything that he has, he can pass on if he wants to. And so we have non-believers who are philanthropists, can't even say the word, right? Who do that. They pass it on. But the only wealth that is, he's able to pass is whatever is limited within him. Correct? Because he has no external source. The source he has is what is contained within him. And if he chooses to, he can pass it on. If he chooses not to, he doesn't have to. And Katrina goes without. But if we go back to the other model, you see, his wealth is not his wealth. It comes from the source. And that's true for... Okay, go back there, because this, this side is rubbish. That side is good. That's why I do what I do. Go connect again. How much wealth does the Trinity possess? Hmm? Is infinite, isn't it? Right? God is infinite. Not just, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about everything. Everything that is needed in our world, God has already provided it. God, God is the source of it all, right? And if we will connect, if we will go the way, this is what James is saying, if we go the way of the Spirit, then it's not about us giving everything away. It's about us connecting and then saying, Lord, Use me as a channel of whatever you want to give into this other person's life, right? When we go door to door, this channel here through Deepak will be what? The channel of prayer. So if Katrina answers the door and said, I need prayer for this, Deepak prays. He doesn't say, well, all I can give you is what is contained within me. No, because he goes, I'm already connected. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And I'm going to love my neighbor, and so I'm going to connect with them, and I will take whatever the storehouses of heaven want to give, pass it through me, and implant it in them. That's why the disciples said, teach us to pray, right? And as we do that, whether it be our wealth, our plans, our, uh, our speech, our prayers, whatever else we want to talk about, this is the channel that we need to be in. This is what James is talking about. 
This is what it means to be walking in the way of the Spirit. And that's true for us as individuals. It's true for His church. It's true for the kingdom of God. This here is the kingdom of God. When the disciples went out and Jesus sent them out, He said, go, go tell them, use your speech, go show them. The kingdom of God has come near. And this is what it's all about. This is what James is talking about last week, this week. And he'll continue to talk about it. Does that make sense? Yeah? And that's why, so, you know, if, if God only gives Deepak a little bit, then he can still pass that little bit on, right? He, he can still use the resources of God. But if, if he knows of some resources that Katrina needs, what does he do? He says, God, I know someone that you love who needs resources. You can provide them through me, or you can provide them through someone else. Lord, I'm going to go to the source where it all is because this never runs dry. This is not susceptible to changes in the stock market. A Liz Trust coming into power can't affect this, right? It doesn't work that way, does it? Because the, the wealth that is in here, in all its largeness, in all, I don't just talk money, I'm talking in everything. The wealth that God contains never runs dry. Amen? And so if we connect to Him, like Deepak is right now, if we love Him, and that's the connection, love the Lord your God with everything you've got, and we love our neighbor enough to connect with them and say, you know what, I'm going to be, this is what it means to be a priest right here. Deepak is being a priest. A priest represents someone else to God, and God to someone else. You're the connection point. And we are to be priests to one another and priests to the community around. That's what it means. And that's what James, thank you so much. I want you to give them a slightly bigger round of applause than you gave <laughs> earlier on. Awesome. Okay. That's what it's all about. Let me show you. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says it really beautifully. He says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. So he says, be generous. Be generous in your connection, right? Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So you give cheerfully. Why? Because it's not coming from me, it's coming from the source, through me, to them. And God is able to bless abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So it's like God will provide everything Deepak needs in abundance so that he has extra to provide for Katrina, right? Because he will look after you because you're his son. So he said, I've promised I'll, I'll, I'll look after you. Number one, but I'm going to look after you in exceeding measure so that you have plenty left over to flow through you into someone else that needs it. It will abound. As it's written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seeds to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. 
So he's going to give it in abundance. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God, he says. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. So he says, number one, you look, I'm going to look after you. You look after the people of God, but it's going to be so abundant that you'll have plenty to go everywhere else as well. So don't worry about it. It's an abundance that comes from God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. He says, so generously, so cheerfully, so intentionally, so humbly, recognize the source. So continually that you have that mindset of generosity, so with blessing and so reciprocally because other people will then give thanks to God because you are willing to sow into their lives because you are connected to the source. That is what James is really talking about in this passage. He's saying, be connected to the Spirit of God so that you can be a blessing. I will look after you so that you can look after everybody else around you. That, my friends, is the kingdom of God. That's what's to be found in God's church. When we connect to Him, He says, I'll supply everything you need. And remember, as we said before, God is the one who lifts us up. God is the one who connects us. God is the one who offers His grace. God is the one who is the source of all of this. If we try and do it in our own strength, if we try and do it over here, you're limited to me. You're limited to what I can give. But if you do it over here, you're limited to God, who is unlimited. Which would you rather be? Where would you rather have your connection? Where would you rather, James is saying, do you, you want to be limited? Well, then do that then. Or do you want to be connected to the unlimited almighty God? The source of all that is and was and is to come. This produces a heartache of wealth. But this produces the blessing of wealth. I want you to think today for yourself. You know what? You can't out God. You know that? You can't out God. You can't give God more, or you can't give more than God can pour into you. You can't give away more than He can put back into you. So many times, where, have you ever done something where, where you're kind of giving and then you get so much more back? more than you ever gave often happens in ministry you come back you're buzzing you go man I, I just gave an hour of my time and whoa what a blessing he lifts us up because he's the source that flows you see the bible gives us these two options do you want to be sowing in the flesh or do you want to be sowing in the spirit 
in the river of blessing. And James really, he looks at the world and he says, which, which one is your life showing right now? In your words, in your plans, in your life. 